The following is a presentation from the Recycling Council of Alberta's 2021 webinar series. This episode gets back to basics on extended producer responsibility and introduces the fundamentals to new members. The RCA would like to thank our supporters for making this webinar possible, including Platinum Sponsor, the Alberta Beverage Container Recycling Corporation. This segment features Alda Nickmans, the Executive Director of the BC Product Stewardship Council. Alda represents BC regional districts and will share the results of a report the Council led on the interactions between local governments and stewardship agencies on program operations. Alda's presentation will give us an overview of what worked well in the transition to EPR for BC municipalities and improvements they would have liked to have seen. Good morning, everybody. I am number five and I'm alive here. And thanks so much to everybody who spoke before me, especially Bob and uh, David, who covered uh, so many different aspects of uh, EPR and specifically the PPP, uh, Recycle BC program, uh, here in beautiful British Columbia. And just to let you know, here I am. I am actually, my, I'm not on my first slide. Let's go back to the beginning here. Um, I am here in uh, beautiful White Rock, actually, which is uh, the home of the Semiamu First Nation. And uh, White Rock is situated right on the border with the US, actually. So the Semiamu people actually are, are right here between White Rock and the border. And I believe they also um, in, have, have a section of land in the US just across the border as well. And so I have the privilege to live here in this beautiful spot, beautiful part of BC. I'm showing the mountains, but we also have lots of beaches here too, as you can uh, well imagine. So anyway, I'll get started. So thank you to everybody for um, joining with us uh, today. Uh, I'll start out uh, first by giving you some background on, on BC. Um, I, you know what, sorry, I keep jumping forward here. Let's go back. Um, some background on BC as well as describing the current PPP collection system from uh, a slightly different perspective than, than David did. Um, then I'll give you a summary of the top five takeaways from my members' collective experience participating in a full producer responsibility PPP program. Now, going into seven years, it's six years, I can't believe it. Um, anyway, so BC is divided up into 27 regional districts, and within these RDs, we have 190, approximately 190 local governments and about 240 First Nation communities um, that all participate in the Recycle BC program. Um, our population is 5.1 million, and as, as David mentioned, about uh, 1.88 million households. So as, what I noticed was a similarity that BC has with Alberta is our EPR deposit return system in place for non-alcoholic beverages, um, which we call uh, return it here. And I believe your program in um, Alberta is called the Alberta deposit system. So many of our return at depots have been contracted by Recycle BC to receive PPP as have our local government depots as well. And I, again, David did mention that too. So as a result, our depot system is very robust and includes several EPR programs and not just beverage containers too. I thought I'd, I'd bring that up, beverage containers and PPP that are they include some some depots include like all 21 um, uh, products as well that are covered under EPR here in BC. So as mentioned, um, the program launched in 2014 and it's now gone through a second round of contract negotiations um, with most of these second contracts up for renewal in 2013. I thought I'd bring that up um, for everybody since we have a lot of municipal people here as a part of this, this chat today. 
Um, so at program launch, um, 170 local governments and First Nations accepted the collection incentive. Um, 28 LGs representing half a million um, residents transitioned to direct collection service delivered by Recycle BC. So in other words, that meant that they handed over the total operations and promotion and education responsibilities to Recycle BC. That was a huge step. Um, I think uh, Bob addressed this too, since he was a local government person back then. Um, there was a lot of fear of the unknown since we were the first um, um, jurisdiction to um, move to full producer responsibility for PPP. So I remember being at the RCBC conference that year in the summer of 2013, and it was just a buzz with concern and worry, um, you know, what the program was going to look like. So it was great that um, as a result, I mean, just a few months later, 28 LGs decided we're going to hand it all over to Recycle BC. So that was pretty impressive, actually. They just said, that's it. You, you take full responsibility. So at the other end, though, of the spectrum, 15 um, LGs representing another half a million residents in British Columbia chose not to accept the incentive or direct service and actually continued with the status quo, um, which meant that taxpayers were covering the full cost of their residential PPP programs, even though Recycle BC, or back then it was called MMBC, was willing to pay the full cost of the program. So again, that's significant too. So that reflects the fear that was there. Again, the fear of the unknown. People were holding back thinking, well, let's see how everybody else does before we jump in. So um, my members have identified uh, three primary concerns that gave them great cause, cause to pause in 2013 when they were considering whether or not to accept the Recycle BC incentive offer. So I thought I'd get into these a little bit for you to understand. So first, Again, they were new to the concept of being contractors to private industry. And the original letter of offer from Recycle BC stated the terms were non-negotiable. And many took this literally. Again, they felt it was a very tight time frame too. We had less than six months when, between the letters of offer coming in and um, needing to accept or reject the letters of offer. And that was significant because people literally took it as non-negotiable. This is it, take it or leave it. So the second item was um, they all questioned whether or not the incentive offer would cover, of course, the full cost of collection services delivered. And that's why some people just said, let's hand it all over to Recycle BC. We don't think we can deliver on that, um, that the prices that were being offered in, um, in that initial letter of offer for curbside depot and multifamily. Um, so the third item, which um, we haven't talked about yet too much, was uh, could the 3% non-PPP contamination threshold actually be met? Um, I would venture to say that um, few of any existing blue box programs back then were at or below 3% non-contamination. Um, again, that was a significant concern of programs here. We were said we'd be penalized and um, if we couldn't meet it, so again, fear was definitely around that uh, ability to meet that 3% uh, non-PPP non contamination level. So by the end of the first year of program operations, um, fears and concerns were greatly alleviated actually. And the program was running better than anticipated, especially the, the year before. Um, so since 2015, 15 LGs that had previously opted out have all chosen to join the program. And in fact, I think pretty much everybody is on board now. The last I believe was Delta. And I think they, they have joined in mid 2020, if I'm not mistaken. 
And um, 10 LGs that previously accepted the incentive have chosen to transition to um, direct service. And these are significant, actually. Um, these included the city of Vancouver and Pitt Meadows, for instance, in 2016. And in 2019, we had the North Shore communities of West Van, North Van, and North Van District all say handed over to a Recycled BC. Again, that speaks volumes to the trust and um, and uh, acceptance of, of, the, of a system that's working. So uh, today Recycle BC reports that 98.6% of all BC residents have access to at least depot collection options for residential PPP collection, which is true. Although, you know, again, we sh our calculation is that 300,000 BC residents or households are still lacking in service. So we still have work to do. It's a great system, but it's definitely not perfect and doesn't quite, you know, cover all households in BC. So, that's a little bit of the reality check here. It's not perfect, but we're working to it towards it for sure. Um, so what are the positive outcomes that drive program growth here in BC? So first, um, there's a high level of customer satisfaction as shown through annual resident surveys conducted both by uh, Recycled BC and to some extent by local governments. Um, second, LGs can divert funds saved as a result of um, accepting the incentive into other programs like organics collection and illegal dumping education. Again, great option here, right? You're not spending on your curbside programs anymore. You can, you can divert those funds into other areas. A third, a level of trust and confidence um, has developed between the local governments and Recycle BC as a result of consistent communication. And we really commend Recycle BC for that. For example, um, before COVID, they were holding annual collector conferences, um, paying all the full cost to bring everybody together down here in Vancouver um, for at least a day. I believe it was two days, but uh, David can confirm that for me. Um, and um, in addition to that, uh, Recycle BC has set up several field offices that work directly with local governments and um, uh, post-collection contractors in the area. So you have this familiarity and trust that has developed over the years um, between local government and Recycle BC. And finally, more PPP is being collected with increased positive environmental incomes. Um, for example, all downstream markets are third-party verified. And again, um, David hit on that, uh, which is a fantastic um, uh, result here of this, this big collective way of, of selling um, uh, recyclable products into the marketplace as opposed to every individual municipality having to find a market. So essentially, according to David, um, pretty much every product is staying within North America for, uh, for recycling. So what follows are the top five takeaways we would like to share with Alberta. So number one, what did not change when we had this transition? In those communities that contracted with Recycle BC and had ex existing PPP collection services, there was little change to the system. However, the one caveat being that glass was taken out of the curbside container mix and it's being collected now separately at curbside or taken to a depot. And there was a lot of public education needed in most curbside programs to accommodate this change. In fact, I would say in my discussions with my members, it was one of the key hard things to do. It's really hard to take away a service uh, when you give a service. And um, Glass has been in traditionally in recycling program, curbside programs since they first began in the early 80s. So that was a big change, but people have accommodated here. And um, some communities have chosen to give um, residents 
a gray box where you put your glass and that is collected totally separately from the other products or go to depots or again, slightly, slightly variations, but essentially it usually most are using gray boxes. So resident access to and satisfaction with the PPP collection system either stayed the same or improved under Recycle BC. Um, this has been proven too through surveys conducted both by Recycle BC and LG's post-program launch. So there's a lot of research that's going into how is the program operating, what's the satisfaction rate. So number two, so what did actually change? So a province-wide province standardized list of collected materials that um, both uh, Bob and um, uh, David alluded to um, um, uh, is supported by a province-wide P&E program as well. So all local governments collect exactly the same product and that makes a huge difference um, when it comes to um, people understanding how to participate in the program. There's absolutely no doubt. Um, LGs are not responsible for post-collection operations. That's, again, a huge, very positive change. There's no more contracting for transfer and processing, and there's no more management of disputes with processing contractors, and uh, there's no more commodity marketing and the related revenue risk which again was super huge uh, for everybody. So um, number three, the um, uh, consistent, consists of the key implications um, for local governments as contractors here. Um, so meeting the 3% non-PPP contamination threshold is achievable in multi-stream systems, um, but is way more challenging and virtually impossible with single stream systems, it's been found. Um, so what we found is with substantial and consistent effort, um, three to 7% non-PP contamination is possible in multi-stream collection. With single stream programs, which we do have several here in the province, their rates traditionally have been 20 to 30% contamination, but uh, with really hard work um, and true cooperation between the collector and the post-collection uh, uh, location and Recycle BC um, on ground people, uh, local people, staff people, um, it's contaminations decreased to between seven and 12%. So um, the revenue from Recycle BC versus the cost to the local government is always a benefit. In curbside programs, the per household incentive generally does cover costs. Um, in higher density areas, payments can exceed program costs, while in lower density areas, they may fall short. So the depot incentives, which are weight-based, generally do cover the cost at higher throughput depots, but fall short in the smaller uh, in the smaller depots that have the lower volumes. Um, so again, it's all you know commodity-based. You get the volumes up, and your your um, your revenue increases. So the final and best point is that defined benefit or defined benefits. That's a pension plan. How about that? Defined payments uh, made by Recycle BC make budgeting uh, more predictable, and any program manager loves that. You know exactly what your revenue will be that year for operating your curbside program or depot program on behalf of Recycle BC. So we'll go on to point number four, where Recycle BC service is suboptimal. Well, this would be at the multifamily sector level and at streetscapes. So private haulers have been slow to accept multifamily collection incentives with some saying they only cover 50% of their costs. And as a result, some multifamily buildings are not included in the Recycle BC collection system, but they have been, it has definitely been growing over time. So where LGs have mandated multifamily collection services and or instituted material bans for PPP, more private haulers have expanded services to the multifamily sector. 
And with respect to streetscapes, Recycle BC has implemented several pilot projects, but has not moved to full implementation since contamination rates um, are in the range of 30% are common. And it, again, that's very hard to improve. It's going to take a lot of PE to, to get that improvement. And Recycle BC you know, had planned to do more work in this area, but because of COVID, um, I know David was telling me uh, a while ago that they've stepped back from, from going ahead with that uh, pilot program. So number five, what BC should have done differently? Again, it's always a learning experience. And since we were the first in Canada, of course, um, uh, we did make we could have done things better, let's put it that way. So we found two key items. First, in addition to standardizing the list of collected PPP, which we did do and it's fantastic, we should have standardized the collection system right across BC, right at startup, which included both the collection container and the degree of commingling. We didn't do that. Um, uh, Recycle BC had initially proposed this uh, to the local governments, but there was a high degree of pushback and it was not pursued. And several of my members do regret this. I believe fear at many levels held us back from making this collective change in 2013, you know, giving up the blue bag and giving up, um, you know, the, the, um, the different variations that we had for um, the segregation of uh, product at curbside um, for, for pickup. But we're becoming more and more unified now, though, um, as time goes on. So a second key item is a ministry responsibility, Bob. Um, the ICI sector, at least to a degree, should have been included in rural and remote areas of the province where the LG or First Nation are the sole service provider. Segregating residential PPP from ICI PPP created logistical and marketing nightmares in many of these communities. And this really needs to change. And guess what? The intentions paper came out and they're looking at changing that. So um, we all listen and we all learn from one another here in BC. I think we're pretty cooperative overall. So um, did I get to the, in closing, yes. Um, some aspects of the PPP system are determined by the provincial government, such as the type of PPP that are regulated, the service standards and performance targets. So we highly recommend that LGs continually work with the provincial government to get the best service for residents and clear producer requirements defined. So on the other hand, some aspects of the collection service are determined in contract negotiations between the producers and LGs. So this includes items like quality control, the dreaded 3%, insurance, disputes, and service level failures, that 3% contamination. The LGs need to negotiate with the pros to get the most reasonable contract that shares the risk with both parties. Again, David or Bob alluded to that, how contracts can be very one-sided. Well, push hard, negotiate. They might say they won't negotiate, but work at it. And finally, the provincial government needs to ensure producers deliver required services along with a quality program performance. So the LGs need to watch to be sure that occurs. And I am done. So thanks, everybody. Um, I'm open to your questions and comments. Thank you for listening to this 2021 webinar series podcast. Search for On the Cusp, Alberta Circular Podcast on iTunes and the Google app for more from the RCA. Or visit recycle.ab.ca to see the full presentations.